Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com Featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith Not just a profile picture For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com And the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website Is ready to help single Catholics take the next step In sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics Remember, CatholicSingles.com For faith, fellowship, and love CMF Curo is the country's first Catholic healthcare ministry to provide an affordable health sharing solution rooted in Catholic teaching and community. Learn more at mycatholichealthcare.com. That's mycatholichealthcare.com. CMF Curo, healthcare fully alive. This is the fourth week in our first series for the new year, and we've been talking about the unexpected. The unexpected in life. When something unexpected happens that is positive, we call that a pleasant surprise. When the unexpected is unwelcome, well, that can be anything from jarring to, to overwhelming, depending upon the circumstances. We make plans in life, but life doesn't always go according to plan, and sometimes that's a good thing. And sometimes it isn't. But why, I wonder, do some people seem to survive and even thrive in times uh, of unexpected problems or challenges and others don't? Take two different people in exactly the same challenging circumstance. One rises to the occasion and the other falls short or falls apart. At the same time, some people grow closer to God during times of crisis, and others move further away. Their faith fragments. It falls apart. These are important questions because God wants to use the circumstances of our life, good and bad, positive and negative, to grow our faith. In fact, it is exactly in times of the unexpected that God can work most effectively because he's got our attention. Of course, by definition, we can't plan for the unexpected. We can't plan for the unexpected, but we can prepare for it. And that's what this series is all about. So over the course of, of the last few weeks, we've learned several lessons from Scripture. First lesson people who grow in faith in unexpected circumstances grow because they're connected to a community. They've got a support system. People who grow in faith in unexpected circumstances see their problem as an opportunity to grow. They just have a different way of looking at things. People who grow in faith in unexpected circumstances accept the reality that God is good even when life is not. They understand that distinction. And a fourth lesson we've learned, people who grow in faith in unexpected circumstances eventually identify opportunities to use their pain to help others. Last week we looked at another lesson that we can learn in when we're in an unexpected place because of our own poor choices or poor decisions. 
we learned, it turns out, that our faults and failures do not, do not exclude us from God's mercy and grace. They never do. Once again this week, we're going to learn still another lesson in preparing for the unexpected, again, by relying on a passage from Scripture as well as a personal story we'll hear in a moment from one of our members. Today we're looking at a passage that comes from the book of Nehemiah, which is one of my favorite books of the Bible because it's all about rebuilding. Nehemiah gets permission from the king of Persia, who was the ruler of the region at that time, to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls around the city which had fallen down. A city without walls at that time was considered a disgrace, weak and vulnerable, really not even a city at all. And the passage we're looking at takes place after Nehemiah, the king's official, had rebuilt the walls. And this passage describes a celebration of the project's completion. All of the people of Jerusalem gather together, and we read, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which consisted of men, women, and those children old enough to understand. So Ezra was the priest, he was a prophet, the pastor of Jerusalem, if you will. After the walls were rebuilt, people were hungry to learn more about their Jewish faith and heritage, much of which had been lost in the midst of the civil conflict that had destroyed the walls. So he reads from the scripture that they had at the time, which would be in our Bible, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And I want to pause here because I just can't let this passage pass by without comment. Notice what he says. The men, women, and children old enough to understand. The babies, the toddlers, were not included. Why? Because they couldn't understand. In a very long service intended for adults, kids can only distract their parents from worship and grow miserable in the, in the meanwhile. Church can easily become a place that they grow to hate. And then when they become teenagers, they stop coming. That's why we invest so much time and energy in our kids' programs. We love the children of this parish so much, we want them to learn to love church and in the process, learn to love the Lord. And we believe, obviously, that that happens in age-appropriate ways. That's why I'm so grateful to all of our children's ministers too. If you'd like to learn more about how easy it is for your kids to enjoy our children's programs, just stop by the Next Steps kiosk on the concourse after Mass. End of commercial. <laughs> Next, we read, standing before the Watergate, he read out of the book, From Daybreak Till Midday, and all the people listened attentively to the to the book of the law. So, so Ezra is reading at a place called Watergate. Not that Watergate, it was the original Watergate. He might have chosen this place for practical logistical reasons because 
the water for, for the crowd who had assembled. But when details like this are mentioned in Scripture, they're, they're usually there to point us to some truth, some deeper spiritual truth, and we should be on the lookout for them. Here, what I think this means is that in the same way we need water to refresh and restore our bodies, we need God's Word to refresh and, and restore our spirit and our soul. Anyway, the story continues. Ezra read plainly from the book of the law of God, interpreting it so that all could understand what was read. Ezra reads God's word. He proclaims God's word so that everyone could understand it and apply it. When there was a passage that wasn't easy to understand, which happens a lot in Scripture, as we all know, Ezra stopped and explained. It wasn't enough for the word of God to just wash over the people. He wanted them to absorb it. And from the verses that follow, it's clear that they did. After the reading of God's word, Nehemiah himself gets up to address the people, and he says, today is holy to the Lord your God. Do not be sad and don't weep. For all the people were weeping as they heard the, the word of, of, of the law. All of a sudden, they're getting it. They, they understood what God had done for them. They understood what God could do for them. They're both weeping in sorrow for what they had missed out on, what might have been, and in gratitude for what could still be. Nehemiah encourages them further. He says, go, eat rich food, and drink sweet drink, and allot portions to those who have nothing prepared. For today is holy to our Lord. Do not, do not be saddened, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Nehemiah tells the people that the day and their gathering are meant to be a celebration of what God is doing, of what God can be in their lives. And he describes the place of God in our lives in this striking phrase, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So what does this have to do with our series, Unexpected? One of the ways that we grow in faith, in unexpected, in crucial and critical times, is by growing our faith in ordinary times, day in, day out, all of the time, a daily quiet time and weekly worship. Did you know that taking a daily quiet time, taking time to take a daily quiet time in which we listen to the Lord, the Lord's voice in Scripture and speak to Him in prayer, in petition, in thanksgiving and gratitude. Did you know that taking time for weekly worship here at Mass, lending yourself fully to this experience, worshiping Him through your sung participation, attentive to the message, thoughtful and grateful in your offering and in receiving communion. Did you know that all of that is like a deposit? It's, it's a deposit in your account. 
in your relationship account with God. And in so doing, you're increasing your understanding of who God is in your life. It's like any relationship you've ever had, any person you know well, it's because you've built that relationship over time. You've gotten to know them. You've spent time with them. You rely on them for emotional support and other kinds of support too. The same is true with God. It's an investment. And through this investment, the joy of the Lord can really become our strength. The joy of the Lord can become our strength. And when it, when it is, you know what? We're ready. We're equipped for whatever comes our way. Just ask my friend, Josh. January 18th, I was sitting at my desk at work. The phone rang and I could see my physician's name come across the caller ID and I answered and he said, you know, are you in a position to be able to talk just for a few minutes? I said, yeah. And he said, well, I got your MRI results back and they're concerning. Um, they look, it looks like you don't really have a, a herniated disc or back problem. You've got a bunch of lesions. And he said, well, I think it's lymphoma. I said, cancer? And he said, yeah. I was like, how, like are you, like, how do you, how do you know, how does that happen? Like, I don't understand. You think I have cancer? And he said, yeah, I, I, I'm very concerned that you do. So I want to get you in for more testing, a CT scan, a liver biopsy, all these kinds of procedures to try and figure out what exactly it is and, and what we're going to do about it. At the end of January, I got a call from the head nurse for an oncologist in the area. That oncologist delivered news that like stunned me even more. He said, you have a large, diffuse B-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And he said, you're very sick. You're like stage four, and I, I, we need to hospitalize you. Um, and I said, okay, so when do you think all this is going to happen? He's like, oh, like today. I'm calling down the hospital right now, so you should go home and, and you know, pack your stuff. And I said, We're, I'm going to be overnight? And he goes, oh, you're going to be there for many nights. And I, I, I said, are you kidding me? Like, right now? He's like, yeah, now. Like, they'll call me as soon as the bed's available, but I'm telling them first available. And we need to get you treatment immediately. We need to start you on treatment. The treatment started the first night I was in the hospital, and the the pain I was going through. So it was like somebody was taking a um, like a sharp knife in my hip and sending like lightning bolts of pain down to my toes. I, I, yes, I was on pain medication, but it, I remember it so clearly that I had this really like deep moving experience with faith and pain and I remember um, I just started bawling not because of the pain but emotionally and I I was crying to Megan she was holding my hands <laughs> and I um, I said 
I can't believe that um, that Jesus would go through more pain than I can imagine, no matter what I'm experiencing, and do it voluntarily um, without having done anything wrong. Um, and I don't know what it was about that moment, but I was I was crying like a baby. The pain was crazy. This must have been three in the morning. You know, Megan's holding my hand, and then, um, and then I said, let's put on some music. And, um, and Megan handed me my phone. I brought a Bluetooth speaker, thinking, you know what, I gotta have music to calm me down, too. Um, and I played, um, Peter Gabriel, Don't Give Up. I don't know why it came to me, but it did. That was my first night in the hospital. <laughs> I felt a lot of joy. <laughs> I did. I felt a tremendous amount of joy. I was sort of in a mindset to be as happy as I could possibly be. I can't pretend that I was Mr. Positivity for seven months of chemo. Um, I, I Everybody has their ups and downs and their ebbs and flows. And there's some days where positivity was just flowing and I felt it and I don't know why. Um, and there are other days where I struggled with it and I did choose it. So here we are a year later. I was diagnosed um, a year ago and now I'm in remission. Um, I have, you know, the, the news of my remission was so overwhelmingly <laughs> joy, joyful. But now that I'm back and I'm back at work and the daily routines have started again, I can still look back at this situation and think, what set me up for success in this, in this tragedy or this unexpected event of mine was that somebody had made an invite to Megan and me when we were struggling in our faith. And they said, just, just try to go to this nativity. You might like it. What's the harm? And we accepted the invitation. I probably was there four to six weeks later. There, uh, there's another invite. I could choose A or B, and I chose A, which was I agreed to join the host team. When I, when I served, I, got, I wound up getting as much out of it, maybe even more, in my own faith than what others were getting out of it. So yes, I was, you know, trying to be you know somebody who could make a difference in somebody else's life and I realized my gosh like this is making a difference in my life and there are a bunch of opportunities like that I joined a small group after six years of resistance that's how long it took me um, that small group was an incredible source of support for me and I, I did not make perfect choices along the way believe me I, I am no highest perfect man. I've got so many flaws. Um, but as I look back from the cancer experience I had, I thought, I wonder if God put those opportunities in my life, gave me the free will to choose them, um, and allowed me to build a faith that could endure this joyfully. Um, and I, I believe he did.
Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. Woodhill Community Center. Have a hand in the heart of the city. Support their mission with your donations at WoodhillCommunityCenter.org. Toyota in Nicholasville Superstore. Online consultants are standing by right now to help you find your next Toyota. Visit ToyotaOnNicholasville.com. Lexus of Lexington, home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusOfLexington.com.